So we have been on a series for the last three weeks. Uh, we have two more today and then next week as well as we continue. That God never said that. And um, Michael and I are trying to keep this sermon lighthearted. We're trying to keep the sermon series lighthearted, trying to keep it um, interactive, kind of um, not all serious. But as I was talking to Michael, uh, last couple of sermons I've preached, it's almost identical to what I've been preaching today. Uh, I get to preach on sin once again. So I am the sin pastor. Um, so when I get up here, hopefully. When I, when I preach, uh, actually next month when I preach again, I'm not going to be preaching on, what, on sin again. But it's interesting that uh, we're in this four-part sermon series that God never said that. And a lot of times when we look at the sermon series, God never said that. We hear this a lot of times. We have, have you ever heard of they, they said that? Have you, we always hear that in statistics. They said that. Facebook said that. My wife, they said that. Uh, it's interesting. A lot of times when we quote scripture, we don't have really a scripture base. We don't have a, a biblical scripture view. We just kind of say somewhere in the Bible or God said that somewhere. And it's interesting how, how our theology gets off so easy and so quickly. And it's, it's amazing to me that a lot of our theology is not based upon scripture. It's based upon how we feel or what we are doing at that very moment. Um, just a quick story. I always say that because I just like to do an introduction for quick stories. Um, I have a lot of quick stories. So, so with that, this morning I was uh, I went to the gas station. I was I, was, I got a Red Bull, not a healthy drink. I don't um, I don't. Uh, never mind. I have issues. I have issues with Red Bull. I'm trying to stop, but I'm really not trying to stop. You know, we'll talk about later on with sin. I really want to stop. But I don't really want to stop, and we'll see what happens later on. And that's also why I have a lot of energy, too. So I was at this gas station. I got my Red Bull, $5.44 or whatever it was. I'm pulling out of the gas station. Yeah, it's expensive drink, like, like Starbucks as well. Um, no, there's no guilt there. There's no guilt. I'm not trying to put guilt on you. Um, but it's interesting, as I was pulling out of the parking lot, there was this lady, she was in the little spot there, she had a little sign up, and she said, out of gas and hungry. And I saw that, and very, I, I thought, well, that's too bad, and I kept on driving. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, well, if you're new to our church, I, I preach really from my heart, I tell you how it is, and a lot of times that gets me into trouble, and also it doesn't always make me look good. Um, and I'm driving along, and I'm thinking, I just crack open my, my, my Red Bull for my $5 drink, and I'm thinking, man, how much does a tank of gas cost? So I'm halfway down, uh, down the street, and I'm thinking, okay, this is stupid. How many of us have ever been in that situation where we need help, and someone drives on by without even giving a second thought? So I, okay, okay. Lord, I'm preaching on what, what we do really matters. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, come on. I mean, I don't have $15 in my budget. That's not budget aside right now, but I decided to flip my car around and go and say, stupid question, hey, how you doing? You know? I'm sure she wanted to say, read my sign. I'm sure she wanted to. <laughs> exactly. Thank goodness she was nice because uh, it was a really stupid question. But I thought, hey, can I, can I help you out? I would like to fill your, your tank up with gas uh, or your, your, your car up with gas, and let's go from there. So I said, just pull around here. So... And she, we started talking just a little. She says, I can only do half a tank. I said, okay, why? Well, I have a hole in my gas tank, and we can't go beyond a certain point. So now my safety guy comes out of me, thinking, well, technically we shouldn't be doing this with your car. But I didn't say anything like that. I kept my mouth shut. I said, hey, don't worry about that. I'll just put my credit card in. I'll just leave a go, and you just fill out how much you want to fill out. 
But I thought to myself, how interesting it is, how many opportunities we miss because we're in a hurry or we're in a normal practice that we think, well, that's too bad. They made that situation themselves and they're just going to have to live the consequences. You know, I'm sure she didn't really think about all the things that were going to take place. Going through Wyoming and going for wherever she's going, I'm sure she didn't have everything mapped out. But I thought to myself this morning after I was able to have that opportunity, and I'm not sharing that information with you to boast myself, to just say, hey, look at me, I spent $15 this morning, five bucks on a Red Bull, $15 in gas. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, is there are times in our lives, I believe, as the very title says, does it really matter what we do? I believe as Christians, we should be known for our actions. I think people should automatically know whether you are a Christian or whether you are not a Christian by your words, and by your deeds. And I believe that sometimes in the church today, we have gotten away from this, especially in the workforce. I'm working for HR now, so I gotta be really, really careful. They've already shared with me how much I can share. And because um, one guy said, hey, Pastor Michael. I was like, ah, hey, it's HR to you, buddy. Uh, no, not really. That's what I thought. I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> not really. It wasn't Jason Peake either. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking, you know, we live in a society now where we are not supposed to share our faith. We're not supposed to do good things. We're not supposed to look out for other people. That's kind of how we are in the workforce. That's how it's been trained. I have been trained, it seems that way. So I wanted to ask you a question. If someone would look at you, if someone would know who, who, where you work, and they see you on a daily basis, do they know that you are a Christian? Do they know that you are set aside? Do they know that you are separate from the rest of the world? Or are you just a normal person that everyone else thinks is an average Joe? So that's the one question I want to ask you today is where are you with the situation? Because here's my quick story I want to share with you. Um, Lori and I, another quick story. Lori and I, many, many years ago, we've been married 21 years. We were, I don't know if we were dating. If you want the exact details, you can ask her later. Um, we were, we were at a dinner and we were at a restaurant and there was these two uh, women who were having dinner as well. And during that time, they just were having a beautiful, wonderful time. And during that time, I really got a sense I was supposed to, Lori and I was supposed to buy them the dinner. And I, I really thought that these were believers in Christ Jesus, and I wanted just to bless their lives. And I never had done anything like this before. And so I go up to them during the middle of the conversation. Here I am. I say, hey, ladies, I just want to ask you guys a question. Are you guys believers in Jesus Christ? Hey, I'm hoping and praying. They say yes. Because if not, things are going to be kind of weird. And then I'm just going to start sharing the gospel. They say, we are. I say, you know, just by the way you guys are emulating Jesus, just by your spirit, I can tell that you guys are believers. And my wife and I just want to buy your meal. And one lady just started crying. She was so happy. And they were, just, they were talking about church service. They were talking about what God was doing in their lives. And I, can, I, I just imagine myself, can people truly see who I am in Jesus Christ? Or do they see a, 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 an, an older guy who is grouchy, who is um, just set on, on pointing people's errors? What do people see when they look at Michael Longfellow? What do they see when they look at you? Okay, we're going to be talking about our actions today. We've got three easy points. And here's the easy points. We could really make this a quick sermon. You're a bad person. Oh... He is so lucky he's bigger than me. <laughs> we will lay hands on you later. 
That's Pastor Steve. That's who's making fun of me up here. All right, so basically, I'm, a bad per- I'm not a bad person. Wrong. You are a bad person. Two, all sin is the same. Wrong. Sin is different. Three, since I've already done it, might as well keep on going. Wrong. Quit your sinning. Here's my advice. Here's my counsel. Quit sinning and go on and move on with your life. We can go home. Quick, easy sermon. We would be the quickest sermon we've had at Ordinary Faith. But the interesting thing is, we have taught, if you want to look through the book of Romans, you want to look at the situations we are through the scriptures, and Michael and I have talked about this, Steve and I have talked about this, it's interesting that we are no longer dead to sin. We no longer have an issue with being victorious over sin. Sin has been defeated, sin has been completely annihilated from our lives, but many of us are still living in sin. Many of us are still battling that sin, and instead of living the victorious life that God has called us to live, according to John chapter 10, uh, God, Jesus came to give us life and give it to more abundantly. We, a lot of people, I'm going to always include myself in this because I want to make you feel bad. We are always living in the wallowing in our sinful state. Instead of living victorious for Jesus Christ, we are always having issues with sin. I want to tell you, my friends, we have been, been, through the power of God, sin has been defeated for you and I. We are victorious, but we are lit. Okay. We do believe in clapping. If someone else claps beside you, you should clap too, okay? No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. And you don't even have to keep on rhythm on that either. Um, The only time during service I will clap if no one else is clapping is when I don't have to keep on rhythm. The thing is, I, I want to talk to you about just for a very more brief few moments is that instead of living in defeatedness, instead of living as you have nothing to live for, live in the victory that Jesus has given you. Quit focusing upon the sin that is so prevalent in our lives and accept the word of God that can bring us out of that sinful state. You read through the book of Romans and they're saying sin is dead. There's nothing over you, so on and so forth. And then many of us continue to live in that sinful state. We don't live in the victory of Jesus Christ. It's interesting. Don't you love how people compare? How many of you like to compare with other people? Oh, you liars. You can, oh, I'm not supposed to say it. I'm not supposed to say it. You'll feel bad. Whatever. All right. We have like one truthful person in the whole congregation. The rest of you come to the altar. All right, we're going to need more people to pray with you people. You people, not us people. All right, it's interesting. Now, this is when I get off my notes, off my track, what's going on. Uh, but it's interesting. I, I love physical fitness. I love, I, I love going into the gym and being the biggest guy. doesn't happen very often. You know, it, it, it really doesn't. You know, but it's interesting. When you walk into the gym, okay, I go to uh, Planet Fitness. used to be on a regular basis. Now I'm working, so I can't. Uh, but you know, it's interesting. If you watch guys, and guys, I can relate to you a little more than the females. What do guys do when they first walk into Planet Fitness? Strut your chest. You know, you got to bring it. Don't. True. If you laugh, that means it's true. All right. So that we, we bring our chest out. And a lot of guys, it'll just crack me up. They kind of do this. <laughs> this movement with the hip thing. Is it true? Even, even at... Uh, wherever Ron and I, we used to work out together. People do that. They walk. And they, they do the head. Do they, how many of you do the nod? It's like. No, absolutely. If you don't believe me, I love when Lori and I are working out together. I'll just stay at the very front. She finishes her workout. And I'm watching these people. And, and I don't know what they, they got like neck issues or something going on. And they don't have that big of a chest. And I'm, that's where I kind of compare. Ooh, buddy. No, don't do that. You should not be doing that. So anyway. 
So here's my point. How can we go from Planet Fitness to puffing our chests out to comparing? So I want Michael to come up here, and I want Steve to come up here. So since I have witnesses, oh, comparing. And this is a great thing. Uh, so I'm dealing with my boss, so he, can't, he doesn't have a microphone, so I can say anything I want, and I'm dealing with a bigger guy. Um, hey, still looking yeah. at you. Yeah. So anyway, here we are. So anyway, um, so my question is, you know, when we're in church, and this is not going to the physical state, okay, I don't want you to look at their bodies and say, ooh, who's better looking? <laughs> Michael Longfellow or these guys? I used to just be tall. Yeah. <laughs> Do you mean, all right, so with this, okay, I want to ask you guys a question, because we do this in church a lot, okay? We do this in church a, a lot. Who, now I'm going I'm to point, and I want you all to be interactive with me, who is the bigger sinner? Ooh. So let me clarify. We're going to take the scripture off the block for a second. We're going to violate scripture, okay? So I give you permission to judge these two people. Now, no comments. No comments. Now, this gangster guy, which not much of a gangster. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. This gangster or this guy right here? Who do you think... Yeah, this gangster guy or this other guy. I mean, who would be the bigger sinner? I've been in, I've seen them both drive. Let's just stop with bigger. The bigger came okay, no more bigger. All right. So I'm at a point if you want to raise your hand. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I'm joking. You guys have a seat for a second. I'm not gonna we're not going that far. But it, yeah, well, welcome to ordinary faith. Next time I preach, I'm gonna call someone else up here. But it's interesting, during this time we do a lot of comparing, don't we? We really compare to a lot of people. We compare ourselves to, 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 to Ron. We compare ourselves to the pastor. We compare ourselves to, to the older people. We compare ourselves to people that have, sometimes have their lives correct and right. If they look like they got things right and correct. Or if you really want to feel good about yourself, who do we compare ourselves to? To people that don't always have things together. And aren't we all famous for that? Okay, that's a yes. All right, let me help you. Let me give you the answer. I feel like I'm in a safety meeting. You know, that, yes, we compare ourselves. A lot of times we compare ourselves to other people to make us not look so bad, but also to make ourselves feel better and make us look like our relationship with God is in a better state than it actually is. And my friends, comparing is a huge detrimental thing to relationships who you're comparing to, but also to our Heavenly Father as well. When we start comparing ourselves to anyone else besides Jesus Christ, we are going to go down this slippery slope and we are going to lead, go into disaster. So it's interesting today that as we look at the scriptures, we look, because I could, I could have asked you, who, look to your left, look to your right, look around the congregation, who looks like the biggest sinner? Who looks like the biggest jerk here in church today? You know, I could ask that question, but I didn't want to do that, so that's why I chose Steve and Michael, because it's a whole lot more fun to pick on them, and um, I, I can get away with it without getting hurt, hopefully, because they have to forgive me. Jesus says they have to. <laughs> it's, it's biblical. It's biblical. All right, so it's interesting. What the interesting thing is that we are looking at today, for example, is that in our society today, if you want to follow along your, in your, your, um, your study guide, it's a very, very good situation. It's a very good study guide. I'm not a bad person. How many of us like to justify that we're not bad people? 
I, I, oh, raise your hand, we all do. Oh, I pay my taxes, I, uh, I'm nice to my wife, I, I bought her dinner, um, I put my laundry in the laundry basket, um, you know, whatever, however you want to justify that you're not a bad person. But you know, in today's society, we have now, instead of looking at sin the way sin should be looked at, as something that's very offensive to God, we've almost belittled sin now, and we've almost dummied sin down. That's no longer an issue. And I know I've talked about this before in some of my other sermons before, but in reality, you and I are both bad people. Let's just establish that, okay? Your heart, the scripture says, is wretched and evil, and who can trust your heart? There are days that we want to praise God, and there's days that we don't want anything to do with God sometimes, isn't there? There are days that we love our spouse, and there's days we don't want anything to do with our spouse. But let me tell you, my friends, as a, as a, as a, as a uh, Christian, there's things that we have to look at. When we are comparing against other people, there's only one person we need to compare to, and that's Jesus Christ. So Scripture, okay, hey, this is more, uh, let me just take a moment. I love to laugh. I love to have fun. But if you don't remember anything I say, I'm, I'm fine with that. But remember what the Word of God has to say. All right, I, I love to joke. I love to have fun. I really, really do. But my words are uh, hopefully from the Holy Spirit, but we know God's word is, is without error. And so when we read the scripture, that's something very, very serious in my heart of knowing I can't go wrong when I just read scripture. I can go wrong when I, when I talk. How many times have we gotten ourselves into trouble by just talking? If you're married, you have a testimony. <laughs> it's, it's true. But it's interesting with our, with our sin today, you know, we look at sin as something, oh, 1 John, let's go back to 1 John, sorry. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, there are a lot of people in the world that I have come in contact with that they say they are, they don't have sin, they're, they're good because they don't understand what sin is. And many times I will tell you that a lot of people in our world today don't know they need Jesus because they don't know that they're sinners. We as Christians have become fearful on telling people that they are wrong and that they are sinning. Yeah, I want to I preface this, okay? Because Michael and I have had this conversation, and I, I'm still battling this in my, in my own heart, in my own, in my own spirit. It is so easy to become the sin police of a church. Hey, you're doing this, you're doing that, so on and so forth and not necessarily do it out of love. But when we have a relationship with people, and I have many people in my life that I've opened up to and say, hey, if I'm struggling, if you see something in my life, please come to me and let me know what I'm doing is not right. If I'm not treating my wife right, if I'm not treating my children right, if I'm not having an attitude that is worthy of Christ, please correct me. But I want you to understand that our society today, because of tolerance, the word tolerance used to include everyone coming together, everyone being equal, and everyone being responsible for one another. And now the whole word tolerance has been completely changed. And I'm sure if I ask each one of you what the word tolerance means, that definition, we're going to have 55 different definitions of what tolerance is. Because now today, tolerance is what we are supposed to accept, what lifestyle people choose to do in their daily life. And the scriptures, I tell you, my friends, that God doesn't give us a choice. The God says, God says, be holy because I am holy. 
That is a commandment from God to be holy in his presence, to be holy every single day. The scriptures also tell us to be the salt and the light of the world. Here's my, here's, and I'm probably getting ahead of my, my notes, but here's the deal, that if we cannot, if people cannot tell that we are Christians, if people cannot tell that we love Jesus with all our hearts and with all our minds and all our strength, then what good are we doing in the world today? We are playing church. We are not being the church. And my friends, and that's a dangerous game. So tolerance, don't worry about tolerance. But today our sinfulness, instead, and there's one of my notes that says saying you're looking at pornography. Instead today we look at adult entertainment. You know, we saw the little video, uh, what you can find on your phone. All the information, all the videos, all the, the, the sinfulness that we can find at our fingertips. And how destructive that is. And what he said in their video kind of made me mad. It doesn't hurt anyone. My wife won't, my, my wife won't know so it's not going to hurt anyone. Okay, guys, I just want to talk to you for a second because I'm a guy, and I know how detrimental pornography can be to, to a relationship between a husband and wife and just other people as well. I, I will tell you, I remember I saw my first Playboy magazine when I was 13 years of age. And I can honestly tell you I remember exactly what the woman looked like, even to this day when I'm 43. Guys, we have a, uh, an image copier in our mind. And when we see something that we should not be seeing, it is engraved in our memory. And I just want to, to give that caution to you women. Watch what you wear. Be very, very careful in that regard. Because guys will remember it continuously. And what are we watching on our phones or our computer, wherever we are at? We remember those things, and that's a detriment to our relationship with our wives because then we start imagining things within the intimacy of our bedroom. And that's a very dangerous game. Guys, we think about sex a lot. That, that's just, that's one thing they didn't preach about when I was a kid. I thought they only, I was the only one. I, I really did. So this is why one reason I like to talk about this subject because no one else, everyone else except the church is talking about it. And if we are not talking about it, where are we going to get the information to be able to combat the rest of the world? And one of Michael's sermons, he's talking about being spiritual and aggression. Here, go ahead and clap if you want. I'll drink while you clap. But I will tell you, my friends, that there, there's a sermon that he preached about in the spiritual warfare and being aggressive. I want to be so aggressive with my spiritual faith. I want to be aggressive when it comes to the kingdom of God and the matters. I want to be aggressive when it comes to sin in my life. I want to be aggressive because we have already beat death or beat sin through the victorious death of Jesus Christ. I don't want to live back in the past. But my friends, it's so easy to be captivated. It's so easy to be, play it down. Oh, we're just having, pre, um, we're just having um, premarital sex before we get married. No big deal. Everyone's doing it. No, not everyone's doing it. So when I was, Laura and I met in Bible college, she was dating my roommate. They broke up. I stepped in. It's the way to work. That's a very quick version of our relationship. During this time, um, I, I don't know how old we were. Once again, ask her. Uh, we, we had chapel every Tuesday and Thursdays. And during chapel time, we would go, we'd hear speakers, and we'd worship the Lord. It was a great time. And I remember that during this time, she would try to put her hand on my, on, just on my knee or on my hand. She would want to hold my hand. And I would tell her, honey, don't touch me. 
don't touch me. Just don't touch me. It is amazing how easy guys are distracted from when we are supposed to be focusing on worshiping God and our wonderful fiance, girl we're dating, whatever she was at that moment, was just wanting to have physical touch with me. But in my mind, I was not able to do that at that moment. And I don't want to get too intimate with you guys about my life, my relationship there. But I want you to understand that there is so much distraction in the world today for guys, even for women. But we play it down. And it's a dangerous game when we start playing things down because eventually it's going to catch up with us and sin is progressive. And eventually, as James says, it will take over our lives and kill us. Romans chapter 10 says this, or I'm sorry, Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says this, no one is righteous, not even one. None of us is righteous. We have all all fallen short of the glory of God. So when we compare with each other, when we compare other people's sin against my sin, oh, I only did this and that, I'm not as bad as that person over here. You are comparing yourself to the wrong person. It's interesting that... um, when our kids were little, we didn't allow them to watch anything beyond, uh, everything they watched was PG, basically, PG movies. So anything above PG-13 and uh, rated R was considered adult movies, okay, in our household. So if you watch a PG-13, which we normally did, um, everything else was adult movies. And so one day, my kids were talking to the elders of the church, this was back in Kansas, and they were told my elders, yeah, my mom and dad, they watch, they watch adult movies at night. <laughs> True story. So here, my little six-year-old, seven-year-old, however she was, yeah, my mom and dad watch adult movies. And so the elders say, hey, Michael, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> What's going on? And anytime you have a meeting with the leadership team, it's ne- surprise meeting, it's never a good thing. So they said, we hear you guys are watching adult movies. I said, what? And I said, uh, oh, yeah, of course we do. And uh, anything like a PG-13 movie or, or, or radar is considered an adult movie to us. So we had to change our wording with our children, uh, what's considered an adult movie versus PG-13. But it's one of my stories I love to remember because how easy it is to downslide, downplay things that are our lives today. There today I want to talk about three cultural misbehaviors or beliefs about sin. The first one, of course, we've already covered that I'm not a bad person. And uh, continuing on the continuing also all sin is the same. How many think all sin is the same? Okay. Yes, no. All right. It's kind of a trick question. According to God, all all sin brings death to our life. Every sin that we have in our lives brings death. Uh, It doesn't matter where we are in life, but the sin that we um, have alienates us from God. Here's the difference, though. There are some scriptures we're going to look at that there is some variances in sin. Because we're going to talk about some things that has a different level of ramifications of sin that's in our lives today. So it's interesting as we look at sin, uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 23, for the, if, if you don't have the scripture memorized, you should memorize the scripture. Um, another, another plug, man, memorize the word of God. Now I don't think the word of God's always going to be available to us. So read and memorize the scripture of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we've covered this a lot of times before, that when you sin, it is the destruction, it's sin that brings death to our lives. Whether it be a small sin, because we like to compare, we like to have a multitude of sins, the big sins, and these are the small sins, aren't they? Oh, guess what? All sins lead to death. All right, all sins lead to death. But there is some scriptures that talk about the, the different degrees in sins today. And we're going to talk, look at that just for a few. But the first culture misbelief is sin. 
uh, all sin is the same. Because once again, we like to compare to our brothers and sisters in the church. My sin, once again, is not as bad as the other person's sin. It's interesting as we look at these things, we are sinful to the very core of our beliefs. Our very heart, we are sinful people. Okay, we establish that. So as we look at this, 1 Corinthians says, 6.18, run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as one does, as this one does. For sexual morality is a sin against your own body. So there is sin, but there's also sin that affects your own body. So let me tell you, my friends, when you, and I, I don't want to, I, I'm not coming down on you harshly, okay? I don't want to, I'm not coming down as the judge. But when you, and we, we had this conversation with our kids the other day, when you are able to understand that you have a relationship with your spouse and your spouse alone, you don't have to worry about sin that comes into your life. You don't have to worry about diseases. You don't have to worry about unplanned pregnancies. You don't have to worry about anything else because when you are committed to that person, when you are able to just say, hey, this is you and I, honey, for the rest of our lives, then we are able to understand that's how God built our relationship in our marriage. But sin that comes outside of marriage, the sinful state, pornography, lustful, and don't get me wrong, pornography is a very huge issue, but just lusting after women, lusting after men. Women, when those guys come in all puffed up in their tank top, I don't know if that does anything. It's kind of weird. They shouldn't be coming in like that anyway. And, it, and I, know, I don't know how you respond. I don't know what brings what, what Satan tempts you in your life. But I know here today that there is, when the scripture says sexual immorality, flee from that situation. Run. Don't stick around. Don't stick around. Because I will tell you, my friends, it is so easy how the devil will tempt you into saying that this is better over here than what you have right now. When I was about 25 years of old, old, 25 years of age, I was, count, I was in my office one day. This is a church in Kansas. And all of a sudden, I was doing counseling with this young lady. She was 19. She was going through a divorce. Every time I'd counsel with her, uh, my wife was always in the room next door to us. Door was open. Always been an open-door policy with me. Any one time I counsel a female, someone's always there with me. During this time, I was working on my sermon. This young lady comes in, unexpected. Comes in a tank top comes in in boot, not booty shorts back then, but pretty short shorts. And she wants to talk. She comes up to my office, she leans over my desk, and everything is exposed. Okay, I'm not stupid when it comes to certain things. Immediately I said, sorry, I gotta go. So I packed up my stuff, we escorted quickly, and I can walk pretty fast, escorted her outside, I went outside, and immediately just went home to my wife and told her what was going on. Lori and I talked. Do you realize how easy it would have been to take advantage of her? Here she was hurt. She was going through a divorce. She was not the well, most well-dressed. And I talked to Lori. I said, it had been so simplistic, so simple, just to make a move. And that's when you are facing temptations like that. Don't try to reason. Don't try to share scriptures. Gentlemen, I, I say to you, just run. When you feel like things are getting too close, things are too connected, you're getting too comfortable with someone, you need to run. Ladies, the same way. 
Because I tell you, my friends, if I would have taken an opportunity, if I would have taken advantage of that situation, it would have destroyed my life. It would have destroyed my relationship with my wife. It would have destroyed my, my relationship with God. I could have come back with God. But also then I'd probably be fired as a pastor. It is amazing what sin cost us. When we want the short gratification of that, of that pleasure, whatever it is, whether it's gossiping, slandering, whether it's joining in in conversation that is not pleasant, coarseful joking, whatever it is, we destroy our reputations as being Christians and Christ followers. What do people know you for? There are different consequences in sin in heaven. There are rewards in heaven at how we, how we live. In Luke chapter 20, verse 47 says this. The religious teacher shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be severely punished. It says that the, script, the leaders of the Jewish society were taking advantage of widows. They were taking advantage of the very people that they were supposed to be serving and loving. And the scripture says they will be severely punished. That has the, the ramification that there is some severity in what we do here on earth is to make ramifications whether we are in heaven or whether we are in hell. And I'll tell you, my friends, don't you just, oh, it just makes me mad. Okay, I get mad at I call it a righteous mad, righteous anger. I hope it is. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I'm justifying. But it's interesting how many times that we can be in church service, we can be worshiping God, we can do all the right things in here, and then as soon as we go out to a restaurant, we treat our waitress like trash. We are the cheapest tippers on Sundays. We are cheapest tippers throughout the week. And are we supposed to be known as a generous people? And that's not, I'm not saying guilting you. I'm not. But that's one thing I've made sure I've, I want to do that when I am worshiping God, I don't want to be a hypocrite and go out there and act like the rest of the sinners throughout the week. And I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to shame you. This, is a, this sermon is more coming from my heart from where I have been, where I am struggling, than for where you are at. But I'm sure that we are pretty closely associated that you and I are very similar. Amen. Because you are a sinner. And I'm right there with you. Because we're in the same boat. I don't know where we're at. All right. Good thing we got our study guide. Michael's breathing heavy. I'm joking. I'm joking. But it's interesting as we look at this, if you look at the scriptures and they do some digging on this, what we do here on earth will also be rewarded what we do in heaven. We will be rewarded besides salvation. And that's the biggest thing. I just want to be with Jesus, don't you? I just want to be hanging out with Jesus and having a good old time, not worry about my mortgage, worry about my mortgage payment, worry about bills. I just want to be in the presence of my father, presence of his son, and enjoying good weather in heaven. I, I really want to be there. Because I, I say that because do you know how, how amazing being in the presence is going to be? But I want you to understand we can have that presence right here as well. That we can dwell in his presence. But the scriptures talk about how when we do things on earth, we'll also be rewarded in heaven as well. There's also the misconception, since I have already done it, I might as well keep on doing it. Third point, have you ever been there before? I'm already sinning. Let's just keep on going. 
I think at some point in time, we have all been there at one point that we just consider that we are in a sinful state. There's no way out. No one's coming to my attention to bring this, say I'm doing this wrong. And let's just continue on doing what we're doing. My friends, I will tell you, this is one reason I think we need to be open about someone coming to us and say, hey, what you're doing is not right. We need to be accountable to one another, not being the sinful police, but loving people to not allow them to be caught and left in sin. And let me tell you, most churches, I believe most churches in the United States leave people in a sinful state. It's okay. Continue doing what you're doing. We said that prayer when we were VBS at four years of age. I asked Jesus into my life, but I'm living the rest of my life the way I want to live. I have no commitment. I have no skin in the game to God. I'm just living life as I want to live. And how many times do have I seen people want to be preached into heaven when they die? Oh, they were a good person. Oh, no, they weren't. Be truthful. A lot of people, you have to figure out some things to say during a funeral and why we're celebrating this life. A lot of people are jerks. Isn't that the truth? You may be thinking about me right now. Hey, that jerk. It's all right. I'm okay with that. Because I want to share this with love with you. I think one of the biggest, I have a lot of biggest things. I think the power of sin is the secretiveness of the sin. When the sin is exposed, light is able to pierce into the sinful state. And when we look at that, we're able to see this, this dimension, this, this idea that the sin does not offer what it says it really has to offer. So I want to encourage you to find someone and to open up about your life. I pray that it can be your spouse. I pray that you could share with her or share with him, hey, this is the things I'm dealing with. We need to pray about this. We need to work through this. A lot of my issues have nothing to do with my wife. But I thank God I can go to her and say, hey, honey, this is what I'm dealing with right now. Pray with me for this. Because when we look at that situation, instead of continuing on making it deeper, continue on getting deeper in the sinful state, we're able to come out of that darkness and repent and turn our lives back to Christ. My friends, I will tell you, the biggest, most celebrating thing I can think of is when someone realizes that, they, that the sin that they are dealing with has already been defeated and they are able to walk away from that sin. Because there's nothing more joyful than knowing that I have, through the power of Christ, defeated that sin and able to live victorious. Whether you are dealing with slander, gossip, pornography, adultery, sexual immorality, whatever you are dealing with, knowing that you can walk out knowing saying, this is enough. Knowing that this is now the final day. I'm no longer doing this. But we have talked how easy it is to say, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to get angry when I drive. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to do this and that. We're, we're liars. Because <laughs> if, you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you drive in Rock Springs... You know what I'm talking about. 
But it's interesting, I think, as I, as I think about that, is that when we are able to, it's not a based upon what we do. Let's get that established. It's based upon my relationship with God. My end goal, my goal every day is to become more like Christ. To put the things of the world behind me and focus upon what Jesus did for me on the cross and I want to become more like him each and every day. Not because I have to, not because it, um, it's, it's a requirement. But I honor God. I want to be like him so much that I'm willing to put things aside. I'm willing to put guards in my life to protect me from going down a path that's going to lead to destruction. So instead of doing the same thing over and over and over again, start a new thing. Start something new in your life. Take your wife out to dinner. If your romance has kind of dwindled, rekindle it. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful thing it is when you do the dishes and your wife has done it for years. What a beautiful thing when you do the laundry and even though you mess up, because it's, it's happened. I, I was told not to do something a couple of days ago or a couple of, whenever it was. I won't give you a time frame because I'll be wrong. No, I'm just joking. But it's amazing that if you are not comfortable in your situation where you are, through the act of the Holy Spirit, he will lead you to do something new and a new creation in you. Because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Don't live in the muck. Don't live in the misery that so many of us live in, but live in the victorious victorious life that God has for you and I. I want the very best for your life. Last thing is, I'm so thankful that Jesus is a friend of the sinners. Today, the songs we sang, the songs we worshiped, clarify that Jesus loves you and he loves me right where we're at. If we are non-believers in him, he loves us right now. Where you are in your sinful state, if you are one of those people who are dealing with that sin in your life that haven't figured out that sin has already been defeated, he loves you right there. And he loves no one else like he loves you. And I will tell you, my friends, if you are on fire for Jesus Christ kind of person, which I pray you are, he loves you right where you are. My, my friends, I want to tell you this though. No matter what you do, no matter where you are, he loves you so very much. And he's your friend. Sometimes we always need a Lord, we always need a Savior. Sometimes we just need a friend. Sometimes we are very, very lonely people in this world today. And Jesus understands. The scripture says that he went through all temptation, which is common to man, except was without sin. I don't fully, and I cannot fully comprehend what that scripture means. But I know every temptation I have faced, every temptation that I have drawn into, that I went to sinfulness into, Jesus had the same temptation, yet he was able not to do it. He understands what we are going through. My friends, I want you to understand, I want you to live victorious for Jesus. It's not about the knowledge you have. It's not about who you know or what you've done in your past. It's who you are in Christ Jesus. And you are a son and a daughter of the Most High. And nothing can change that at all. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for the day. Lord, I thank you for who you are. 
And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak, Lord, your word that we are sinners, that we are not good, but Lord, that you have made us good through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you will give us a fruit of the spirit in our lives. Lord, that we will be patient, we will be kind, we will be joyful, we will be loving. Lord, I pray, my Father, that when people see us, God, they will see a reflection of who you are, that our our lives will, will be able to just mirror who you are. Lord, I pray I don't get complacent. Lord, I pray every day I do not take my relationship with you, my relationship with Michael and Steve, the congregation, my wife. I pray, God, I don't take this for granted. But Lord, every day we build each other up. Every day we encourage each other to be courageous in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we love you. And we thank you, God, so much for being our friend, even before we accepted you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.